0: Welcome to the Long Came Bitcoin podcast. My name is Eileen, and I am focusing this podcast on women in and around the Bitcoin space. It is a place to grow your knowledge and build your network in the Bitcoin community. While the focus is on women, all are welcome and encouraged to be part of the conversation. Thank you for being here and welcome to the journey.
1: I can proudly say today that I finally feel like I'm more than enough, and um, it is really a game changing like experience to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm not my achievements. Like, I am a bad bitch and a rock star for being who I am. And like, I'm my best friend first.
0: So welcome to the Along King Bitcoin podcast. Today, I have Lisa Carmen Wang with me. She and I actually met when we were down at the Miami conference just uh, about a month ago and um, had the pleasure of speaking for a few minutes. She's quite an impressive woman, so I thought she would be a perfect guest to have on the Along Game Bitcoin podcast. She is a U.S. champion gymnast, serial entrepreneur, impact investor, and of course, a podcast host. So there's so much there. I, I can't wait to unpack it all, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Lisa, and maybe let you do a little intro of where you're from, where you were raised, and, and you know, what led you to maybe even just getting into your gymnastic stage of your life, and then we can go from there.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, so thanks for that brief intro. I can, um, you know, I was a four-time USA National Champion Hall of Fame gymnast turned serial entrepreneur, investor, um, both an angel investor as well as a crypto investor. I am a business coach, for women who are taking the leap into entrepreneurship um, and an unapologetic feminist, so I'm actually currently writing my first book with Harper Collins, the Bad Bitch Business Bible, which is coming out in 2022. So look out for that. Um, and I'm also hosting the my own podcast, Bitcoin Is My Boyfriend, where it's all about helping women take control of their money, their relationships, and their careers, so we can make bank and smash the patriarchy. So um, a lot of stuff there, but uh, you know, my my background is really as the daughter of immigrants. Uh, my parents came from China right after the Cultural Revolution, and just really lucky the way that they got here during um, a period when right after the Mao regime fell, they were granted amnesty. My dad got a green card to come to the U.S., and I was born in Madison, Wisconsin, which was a really white area, you know, as one of the few Chinese families um, growing up in that space and feeling different um, just from the moment I understood belonging and difference. And so as a kind of preschooler. So um, I I think that's one of the things, actually, I remember just like a brief story. One of the first times I was invited to a birthday party in, in preschool. And it was this little boy, this little blonde boy's birthday. And, you know, we didn't have much money at all growing up. So it was a really big deal to go out and buy a gift, um, spend money on that for this little boy. And when it was time to open presents, the um, the birthday boy said, thank you. And I said, you welcome. And all the kids laughed at me. And I remember that, you know, that had such an imprint in my identity because I remember feeling such shame and such guilt because my parents had the accent. So they said, you welcome and not you're welcome. And I didn't understand what was wrong. But that experience of everyone laughing at me and feeling like such an outsider, I even at, you know, such a young age, remembering like I made a vow to myself saying like, I'm not going to be different. I'm going to learn English and I'm going to speak English better than anyone else and forget Mandarin. Um, And and yeah, so it's funny because that ended up um, taking me s- very far. Like I studied um, literature at Yale in college. Um, I think one of the most powerful tools I have right now is my voice. And I think so many women forget that their voice is what's so powerful. Um, and language being really powerful and um so third grade is when I actually got into gymnastics. And um, this was call it my first investment in myself, where also a really funny story. Um, my last name starts with the W, which is at the end of the alphabet. And uh, back then, you know, it was like, it always went like the kids who had the A last names went first, and then the Z went last, I was always like last. And one day we had something called Fine Arts Day in third grade, where we the only classes we took were like creative and arts classes and there were two classes i was dying to take one was the rhythmic gymnastics one and the other was the beanie baby making class and at that point beanie babies were skyrocketing in value you know like everyone was collecting them and mcdonald's was making mini beanies and i was collecting them and um i knew though that if i if they followed the typical a to z route i would not get any of my top choices so on that day i decided to talked to my teacher and I was like, hey, I think it's not fair that the second half of the alphabet always has to go after the first first half of the alphabet. Can we change it this time? And she said, well, I mean, if you want to, we can put it up for a vote. We can figure it out. Um, And so that day I remember standing on like a little desk and just being like, it's not fair that we always have to go after the first half of the alphabet. And, um, you know, we put it up for a vote and the second half of the alphabet ended up winning by one vote. So that meant we got to go first, which meant I got to go first because I was the the very last one typically. Um, and I did eeny, meeny, miny, mo and I landed on the gymnastics class and kind of the, the rest is history. Went to that class, fell in love and that defined the next decade of my life um, that I really dedicated myself to that, that dream of becoming an Olympic gymnast and has today even, it forms the backbone of who I am as a, you know, from a competitive athlete to um, learning the focus and the discipline and the long-term thinking, as well as the perseverance that is required um, to be a successful entrepreneur, to be a successful investor. All of these things translate into um, how I form my thesis around the world, as well as, as uh, an investor and entrepreneur. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's pretty
0: impressive <laughs> third grade you found your voice and you were and here you are all these years later um well I guess you know you, you mentioned you went to Yale and you, you studied at Yale um how how was what was that experience like for you and what did what were you going into it maybe anticipating getting out of it and then what happened after you graduated and what did that lead you to next
1: Yeah, so I um, went into Yale. I actually deferred a year to finish up my gymnastics career. Um, And when I went into college, it was, um, I think, a a different experience than many people have, which is, is kind of typical of really competitive athletes that we often don't talk about, which is the loss of identity when you become a normal person and you're no longer spending nine hours a day in the gym, you know, constantly monitoring what you're eating and thinking about the sport 24 seven. And, you know, for 10 years, I've thought of myself first as a gymnast. And so when that, when you retire from the sport and suddenly you're like, okay, now I have so much more time. Who am I? What am I passionate about outside of the sport, which I no longer do. Um, Plus you're thrown into a new college environment. You know, you got to make new friends, figure out how college life works, find your major. Um, So all the typical anxieties that you deal with as a college student, plus um, a big gaping hole that was that was there as a result of moving on from uh, my sport. So, um, you know, when I first went in, it was like, I think kind of uh, it was exciting. It was like, oh, now I discovered what partying was. I discovered what a social life was. I discovered all the things a normal teenager might discover um, or have already experienced by then. Um, I discovered you know like I could eat ice cream for breakfast and no one would care you know in the in the, um, in the food halls. And so um, the beginning the first semester was like was really fun um, but then I think very quickly, by the second semester of freshman year I, I felt just like really empty from, partying and socializing. I was like, to what end, you know, cause I'm so used to having a goal or like something I'm working towards. And so then it was the pursuit of, okay, what's my major, what's my next passion. How do I find that fire that I'd felt before as a gymnast now as a, as a person. Um, and you know, I went through seven plus different majors, just trying out a million different extracurricular activities, like looking for that thing, that feeling. And I just couldn't find it. Um, and at the end of the day, the, the thing that really stuck out to me was like, I loved reading. I've always loved reading. I was a, a big introvert growing up. Um, and it's, it's ironic because as a gymnast, you perform in front of hundreds of thousands of people, but I knew how to perform with my body and not actually with uh, my voice. Like, um, so I think that third grade thing was kind of a blip. <laughs> um, like, I, I actually I spent most of my time, if I wasn't in the gym, I was in the library. So I knew I loved to read. Um, and I what I loved about reading was learning about the psychology of characters and how they overcame obstacles. And so I think I distilled it down to like I've i am always been interested in the human psychology, the human brain, um, interrelational psychology, like how we interact with each other and the world. Um, and so I didn't you know, I didn't know what that really I didn't I couldn't Articulate it like that back then, but I just knew I was like, okay, nothing that I like really fits in with what is um, called an acceptable major or like a practical major, um, and so I, I fell upon literature because I was like, I guess I, I guess I like reading. And my parents were like, what, what are you doing? Like, how's that going to help anything? How's that going to get you a job? And I was like, I don't know what else to do. So um, funnily enough, uh, you know, after that, I, after I graduated college, I ended up getting a fellowship going to China to study um, economics of, of the way like the Chinese shadow banking system was working um, and found myself uh, just kind of fell into the world of finance when um after college, I got a job at a hedge fund doing deep research um, in New York, and that gave me some exposure to just the the world of investing. Um, and granted, this was institutional investing, but um, how money moved and how things outside of the actual numbers could move the numbers. So, like the politics, um, you know, the the psychology of the customers the general environment or how people felt, um, in the environment, you know, like in the macro environment and, and like whether they were scared or upset or like that could, that could drive prices down. So, um, I think I started to form a more holistic picture while I was at the hedge fund and it wasn't until I, um, I barely stayed there for two years. I was, this is what, what I learned about myself very quickly is that I need creative freedom. Um, I have never been meant for, like, it's funny because as a gymnast, I followed authority. It was like, I listened to my coaches. I listened to my parents. I was very obedient and I was always a hard worker. But the moment I was released from that and my entire career is a reflection of this is like, I don't like being put in a box. I don't like authority. I don't like... Um, bowing down to authority just because they are authority without like just like unquestioningly and so I was like why did like why are all these men making all this money while I'm slaving away and I know I have all these talents and skills and strengths but like I'm if I work within this system it's going to be like a slow crawl to the top like that's not the game I want to play And so pretty quickly on, I I took the leap into entrepreneurship, um, and I I did that because even though I knew nothing about the space, I knew no one, I didn't even know what the term venture capital was, um, I believed that given the creative freedom, um, I would be able to make the impact that I wanted to make, even though at that time, I didn't know what that impact was going to be.
0: So what was your
1: first endeavor as an entrepreneur? My first endeavor as an entrepreneur was a late night munchies delivery app. And that was in the midst of the on-demand wave. Um, I really had, I call it my starter startup now. And I think everyone should have a starter startup because the only way you fail is by not trying. And um, yeah, I had gone to a hackathon where you build a, a concept in a weekend and I, it was one of those things where I was hanging with my friends. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if we could press a button when we were drunk and like food would come in 20 minutes and you didn't have to decide and go, like, yeah, that's cool. And Anyway, so I, I, I kind of built the prototype um, with the small team it that I had at the hackathon. We pitched it and I branded it and I packaged it and we pitched it to um, a panel of VCs at the end of that weekend and ended up winning the competition. And I was like, Oh, I guess like this idea has legs. So I decided to keep running with it. And, um, you know, again, I'm at the stage where I really don't know anything. So I'm like, all I know is that I won this competition. Now what next? And, um, the what next was, okay, I need money. So how do I get money? Um, and at that point I remember like just Googling, um, how to, raise money for your startup. Um, and I found out about accelerators. I was like, oh, wow, there's these things that like give you money if, and you don't even have to really have any tech. It's just like idea stage. Um, and I had to Google things like, uh, is it better to have a co-founder or be a solo founder? And I found out that it's better. It's optically better to have a co-founder. So I made you know the mistake of bringing on someone. It was just like a design intern. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a bunch of equity. You just, so you put name on, on the deck, just like all didn't know what I was doing at all. And, um, but I pitched the accelerator and backed my literature degree. It was like, I'm a very good storyteller. And I, the thing is I had a track record as a winner, you know, as a gymnast, as a Ivy league grad, as like, I think even though I didn't, what I, what I didn't have in expertise I made up for in character and track record. Um, and I think I believed in myself enough that that translated over to people are being like, well, all we're doing is evaluating idea stage companies. So let's give Lisa a chance. And so I ended up raising some money from that accelerator to get me started, uh, like hired my CTO from Craigslist. Cause that's like what I thought you did. Um, <laughs> I, uh, um, My COO who ended up coming in, um, he came from Caviar's operations team. So that was a big win because it was like, he believed in the idea. Um, And one of the big things that really I'm thankful for in this starter startup is that I um, learned how to get over my introvert nature because um, for the first time in my life, the entire success of my venture of what I was doing depended solely on my ability to speak. So I had to pitch to investors. I had to do pitch competitions on stages, sell my company. I had to go network and put myself out there and advocate for all the things that I was doing. No one else was gonna do that for me. And so I learned that if I didn't, uh, if I didn't pitch myself and advocate for myself, my company would die because no one else would do it. Um, so I had to learn how to be my own cheerleader. And then the kind of the the inflection point of this company was when I went to Silicon Valley to raise my seed round. I went uh, to one of my first investor meetings with my 35-year-old white male COO, and the investor walked over to him, shook his hand, and brushed me off as the assistant, and I was the CEO. Um, And that was one of those just kind of moments where I realized. For a lot of women, it's not about some of these big egregious stories we hear in the news, it's about the small paper cuts of being overlooked and undervalued and assumed as inferior just for who you are. Um, and it was just that sort of experience where I was like, who do I talk to? Like, how do I not, like, I feel like if I told anyone it would sound overdramatic or like, I'm crazy that this bothers me. Um, and I know now that so many women, like that is actually the, the hardest thing precisely because we're seen as like, quote unquote, overdramatic. And so um, that then became the impetus for the company that I built, which was called SheWorks. And SheWorks started off as a passion project. It wasn't meant to be a company. And it was meant to be this space for female entrepreneurs to connect and to build their network, especially as first-time founders, if they weren't in the boys club, as none of us really are, and um, to create a a collaborative space where we could connect with the right investors um, who would come into the space, um, facilitate education around the fundraising process. And then um, that power dynamic would be removed where it's like, you're connecting with us on our terms. Um, And through that sort of, just the the psychology of communication and creating that community space, um, we ended up help building she works into a global community of over twenty thousand female entrepreneurs in seven cities, helping women raise over fifty million in funding. Um, and it just like grew through this intense focus on consistency, community connection, staying true to your values. And you know it's funny how simple that sounds um, and how powerful it can be because so few people are able to be consistent and stay t- true to their values. So. Um, yeah, so that, that was all pre-V2 when we first built it, and it really grew in momentum when the Me Too movement hit Silicon Valley and, of course, um, the greater world, um, and as one of the earliest communities, we, we really benefited from, from that, and um, in 2019, SheWorks was acquired By Republic, which is one of the leading investment crowdfunding platforms to help anyone invest in assets like um, startups, crypto, real estate, video games, Um, and so that after that happened in 2019, and she works down to home, we um, which and so she works is still up and running and and thriving today. Um, we're helping more women get access to funding through equity crowdfunding, through being able to raise money um, through their community. And as well, um, on the crypto side, you know, we have a number of crypto clients that um, are building incredible projects, uh, impactful projects, um, and really showcase a, diverse, uh, a diversity of founders.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That must feel very, um, you must have a lot of pride around that, too to be able to see it and know that it's still doing what you envisioned it had the ability to do. Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because um, I actually, my first podcast is with and is still out there. It's called the enoughness podcast and enoughness is like, when is it ever enough? When am I ever good enough? And trying to answer that question because, you know, outwardly, I've had a lot of success. I've checked off a lot of boxes. Um, But I think what a lot of us don't talk about is like, for, for a lot of people, this external success, it doesn't translate into internal enoughness. So your perception of yourself, like I've always dealt with a lack of confidence, imposter syndrome, like feeling like I wasn't good enough. And it was like, it didn't matter that I kept, you know, that I got Forbes 30 under 30, I got Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women. I got on the Wall Street Journal, I got on Reuters. Like I, I checked off all the boxes, um, got my company acquired. And, and all I felt was like, but like the world doesn't really know who I am. And that's this like woman who's still insecure about herself and still doesn't feel like she's enough. And so I actually used the enoughness podcast kind of as my, my therapy. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. am I the only one who feels like this? And so I was interviewing successful people in all different industries. Turns out um, everyone kind of feels like that, but um you know, doing that very publicly, which was also really scary, um, taught me the importance of vulnerability, um, the importance of uh, you know storytelling again, but being w- real and authentic and how much people can resonate with that. Um, and uh, you know I can I can proudly say today that I finally feel like I'm more than enough, and um, it is really a game changing like experience to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm not my achievements. Like, I am a bad bitch and a rock star for being who I am. And like, I'm my best friend first. So um, a lot of my work that I do now, you know, in addition to crypto and angel investing and building companies and whatnot is like, my, my real mission is, is helping women see how powerful they really are. And that's where a lot of my, um, my coaching work comes in. Um, I call it my, my bad bitch business coaching work. Um, And so I work with female clients on um, how to create their dream business and their dream life. Um, So they're investing in themselves, investing in their businesses um, and, you know, investing their assets so that they are, they're making money as they sleep. That's perfect. So at what point did Bitcoin
0: come along into your world, uh, all these experiences that you're having? I'm sure.
1: Yeah. So the first time I really got into it was in 2017. And I was dating a crypto bro at the time, a tech bro, um, who got really into it. And um, uh, he taught me about Bitcoin and Ethereum. He was getting into it. And, um, you know, he spoke about it about like, I don't even know if he spoke about it being revolutionary. It was more like he spoke about it like, oh my God, this is so cool. And like all the guys were talking about it and it was very complicated. And he spoke about the technicalities and it, it made me feel FOMO and it made me feel intimidated. Um, and it felt like it wasn't for me. And so I invested a little bit back then, but it was only a little bit because I was like, I don't get it. And I I feel uncomfortable. I feel unsafe investing in this and I think safety is a big thing for women when it comes to everything like physically, financially. Like if we don't feel safe, we don't feel comfortable doing things. And you know, investing is a big thing. It's a, like there's a we have a, there's a lot of emotions around money. Um, and so I didn't understand from him why this was revolutionary. Um, and through the jargon, you know, I was like, this, this is only for a small group of people. Um, and so it's, it's funny, like I, I put a little bit in and funnily enough, like I lost my two factor authentic authentication for it. And I'm like, I don't know where it is. Like I can't get in. It's still somewhere in the ether. Um, <laughs> but we ended up breaking up and I was like, oh, I have no firm foundation about crypto. Um, and I ended up making a rookie mistake as a rookie in crypto investor. And I invested, I followed the hype and I invested in Litecoin at its peak. And I put a lot of money in it. I didn't consult anyone. I lost thousands of dollars. Um, but what I learned, um, I learned kind of three important lessons as a smart investor. Um, one is don't follow the hype. Don't let FOMO get the best of you. And and like there's obviously a, a lot of FOMO around Bitcoin and crypto. Um, I think just remembering like there are always opportunities to invest. You know, it's it's the boat has not passed, um, especially when it comes to crypto. It's still very nascent. Number two, invest in the things you understand. So I didn't understand anything about crypto. Um, and so as a result, like I fell into the trap of following the hype. Um, and then number three is invest in the future you want to see. Um, because for me, even today, like I'm not investing in crypto because I'm like, oh, new hot thing. like I can make a quick buck. It's that I fundamentally believe in the values of blockchain technology and what it can do um, in terms of creating more transparency, more connection, more community. I see it as a way to upend the system that is uh, an economic system that is primarily controlled by old rich white men. And um, I think that this is an incredible opportunity for women to get involved in the crypto space and actually create a system that serves us, that serves the people and not just the 0.1%. So when I started to understand the values and the potential of what blockchain and what crypto can do to create a new financial system And then I looked into the stats, you know, 74% of crypto owners are men, 71% are white. The average crypto owner is a 38 year old white man who makes on average over a hundred K a year. Um, And yet over 50% of women are already crypto curious. Um, And so I was like, okay, I fundamentally believe in the values of this future that crypto could create, that blockchain could create. And so therefore I'm going to bet, like make my 10 year bet um, that if I put money in now, it's going to grow. And that gives me the conviction to ride the volatility, to not get scared when things go down, um, because it's like, I truly believe in it. And I always say that as an investor, like, again, like don't follow the hype because when things go bad, you're going to want to pull out Mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, I can't can't handle it. But because I have this, I'm anchored to this vision of the world. I don't need to pull out. Um, I I believe in the long-term potential.
0: So how did you, how did you grow your knowledge? How did you go from saying, I don't have a good foundation in this and to learning and educating yourself so that you built the confidence that you needed to invest and see it as your future.
1: Yeah. So um, I think one of my superpowers is my ability to kind of break down um, symptoms into their root causes. So, you know, someone might see crypto and they be like, FOMO, okay, I got I got to invest in Bitcoin. I got to invest in altcoins, but like, where do I start? Um but they haven't solved their relationship around money yet. Um, maybe they've never invested in anything before. like they don't even they've got like what a what anything from t- like tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands in their savings account. and like they've never invested. So one, they, they have to deal with like their relationship around money. Like why haven't you invested? Is there shame or guilt or like what I call false financial stories that you've acquired from childhood that make you feel uh, afraid of taking risk or afraid of losing money. Um, So let's deal with that um, before you dive into crypto. Uh, And then like it, it roots to, okay, what's your relationship with yourself? Mm -hmm. like do you really so do you believe that you have the ability to get back up when you fall like if you lost all the money do you believe that you'd still be able to survive um do you are you afraid of what other people think you know it's like uh are you afraid that if you get into crypto or you you do something unconventional Are people going to talk about you? Like, why do you even care about their opinions? And so it all, you know, it's like we got to deal with a lot of the root issues before I say, okay, go invest in crypto, Um, because I think something unique about the female psychology is that we um, we have a much closer tie to our emotions and our intuition. Like we if a woman feels bad, you know, she feels bad. You know, she's like, I'm going to make life hell for everyone because I feel bad. <laughs> I feel neglected. Like, you know, it's it's clear, um, whereas men tend to be more disconnected from their emotions and their intuition. And it's like a lot more logic driven. Um, and those are obviously generalities. But I think that there's some there's accuracies to that. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, this is this is all part of my coaching, which is like, first and foremost, let's deal with the relationship to yourself you know, your own self-worth because your self-worth is your net worth. Um, and then once we've dealt with that, the second is let's deal with your relationship to money. And then let's deal with your relationship to investing. Like, w- how do you feel when you see that, like yourself losing money? Like, mm-hmm. how do you not check it day in, day out and get like really OCD about it and, and feel like a drop in money means that you are stupid for investing? Um, and then once we've dealt with all of those things, now it's time for you to like Check out resources, um, you know, read books, go on YouTube, um, listen to my Bitcoin. Bitcoin is my boyfriend podcast. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's like the first thing then is just like put 10 bucks in to Bitcoin Um, because it's like a gateway drug. Like you just in the best possible way, like you just put 10 bucks in and you see how you feel when it drops 50 percent, you know, or it increases, 200% 200% um, and like notice your emotions when you see yourself losing money um, but obviously never put more money than you're willing to lose but like I think through slowly putting money in you can at least start to gauge your relationship to investing in crypto um, because it's here's the thing I it's really not that complicated like most people are not coming into the crypto space to build like life-changing blockchain companies i'm not a tech founder that's not my life aspiration um all you really need to know is like do i think that this system and this technology aligns with my values as a woman and as a human being um do i fundamentally believe that this could create a financial system that is aligned with my values um Am I willing to make a 10 year plus bet that this is going to revolutionize things and grow in value because precisely because it will revolutionize things? And if so, you should put money in and you should look at your own finances, decide how much you're willing to lose and how much you want to put in because nothing is guaranteed. That's just how the world is. Um, That's how life is. But um, it's. And then you just like open up an account and then you put in some Bitcoin, you know, like you dollar cost average, you put in like, uh, you know, 10, 20 bucks a day so that you don't have to deal with the, 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 the fear, of the vicissitudes of like the, the highs and the lows. And then like, that's all the majority of us need to do. It's just like automate it, put a little bit in each week and believe um, and not look at your account too much as, as
0: <laughs> be able to ride that up. I, yeah. It's interesting because you, you mentioned the psychology aspect of it which you studied. But then you also ended up in this economic world, financial world. Um, and then but also uh, you know you made reference to needing to find um, your creative freedom. And I, one of the things that I personally found pretty interesting, and I, I was just talking to some friends about this, and they they made kind of reference to when people kind of get into Bitcoin and they get around the space. Um, there's a lot of personalities in the space and a lot of conversations, pretty some pretty strong vocal personalities, um, but that over time, the more you kind of learn about it and understand it and. Now, I don't mean all the technical, I just mean some of the, like you said, what does the future look like? What does money look like in the future? What is the ability of, of the individual to have more control over their money and maybe how it it works and it's invested and being more proactive in that approach that it can, when somebody was making the comment that Bitcoin reveals you because you can almost see a space or a future that allows you more, um, financial freedom, which then can lead to having more creative freedom. And I'm mm-hmm. just curious if you've experienced that yourself through this journey of Bitcoin.
1: Mm. And- um, so she said Bitcoin allows you to see yourself in that it gives you financial freedom to give you creative freedom. Correct. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be candid. I am not like a millionaire because of Bitcoin. <laughs> like it is not, it has not been my primary investment over the years. Like, um, my primary investment over the years. And I think this is, should be very clear has been in myself. Um, so I have the majority. So first and foremost, and this goes back to, you know, like the, the root cause the, the layers mm-hmm. I had mentioned, I have invested a lot of money in, um, my education. So that's not, not just like college degree. Cause that's, that's just like a college degree. Um, and I have a whole, you know, thought on like the traditional education system, but like I have bought a ton of online courses I have bought, uh, I've invested a lot of money in coaching. Um, I have invested a lot of money in books. I've invested a lot of money in trying out my testing out my different brands, my different companies, uh, like, entrepreneurial models, business models that work for me. Um, Like I've spent a lot of money investing in figuring out who I am. Mm -hmm. And that has manifested in returns in very unconventional ways. Um, But it's not just financially. Um, It is in, I would say, my credibility, you know, my call my social capital, my financial capital, Um, but what has really, what it has really done is it's almost the act of investing in myself that has given me this unwavering confidence in who I am and what my purpose is and what my voice is. And Bitcoin isn't the thing that's going to help reveal who you are. It's looking at yourself in the mirror every day and being like, I need to change the narrative. If I have a negative Narrative dialogue with myself. How do I change that? How do I walk in every day, look in the mirror, no matter what I look like, and remember that I'm a bad bitch? And that no matter what people throw at me, I can conquer it and I can grow. And I'm my own best friend first. Like, it's, it's incredible how, if you are so committed to yourself, the world transpires to help you achieve Mm -hmm. your goals. Um, and so obviously financial freedom or just having financial resources is a, is a foundational aspect of allowing you to even think about any sort of like spiritual, creative freedom. Um, but I think One thing I'd I'd like to emphasize is like, you don't need millions of dollars. You don't even need hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like you just need money that allows you to like, have some disposable income. Like you can get started with even just a little bit. Um, And so long as like in parallel to you making smart decisions and like, maybe that means starting off like investing in some more conservative things like, index funds, ETFs, um, and that's so much better than what a large majority of the population do, which is let us in their savings account and do nothing. Um, And that's already a win. Um, And then in parallel, you should be thinking about like um, two questions I've asked myself continuously to allow me to get to where I am. And I continue to ask myself this um, on a daily, weekly basis is who am I and what do I want? And the reason I ask those questions all the time is because that's always evolving. Um, So the the first question, who am I? uh, The sub questions that come from that is who am I? And is who I think I am really who I am? Or is is that being influenced by the labels that society has given me that tells me who I am? Um, You know, like, do I want, like, you know, I've questioned, like, do I want to have a a marriage and a family and all these things because society has told women that that should be your number one goal and that you're sad and lonely if you don't find a man who loves you um or do I actually want to prioritize my is that is that like who I am and what I want um so same thing yeah with what I want is obviously comes directly after that which is like is what I want what I really want or is that simply what other people have told me I should want mm-hmm. um and so what reveals to you who you are and gives you that creative freedom is really learning who you are and asking those hard mm-hmm. questions doing the therapy doing the coaching like trying shit out and failing and falling flat on your face and being like it's okay I'll do I'll try to again yeah taking the time to figure it all out which yeah. you don't
0: figure it all out but at least starting the conversation with yourself which yeah um, there's a really great questions to ask yourself for all of us to be asking ourselves. Um, so I guess, what do you see for yourself? And let's just say the next year, cause it sounds like, I don't, you've got a lot going on in your life. So what are you excited about moving forward?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I am one, I'm really excited for, um, my Bitcoin is my boyfriend podcast. I think, you know, one of the big reasons I did it is because I think crypto has a branding problem. Um, uh, you know, I, the way that I talk about the podcast, uh, once you listen to the trailer is like diving into the crazy world of cryptocurrency, crypto bros, and what it's like to date them and take their Bitcoin, you know, it's like, <laughs> kind of joking. Um, but, but yeah, like, just like any other system, you know, if women don't get involved now and become active participants, we are going to have um, another financial system that is created by old rich white men and like you're already seeing that with like the crypto billionaires like the majority of them are older white men and um it needs to be more inclusive and I think what's really interesting about the crypto space is that uh they realize they have a branding problem and crypto in its native like if they stay with crypto native uh people like it will never be reach its full potential because you need mainstream adoption yes, I of blockchain and crypto in order for it to succeed. And mainstream adoption means including women. It means including people of color. It means including people who don't have accredited investor status. Um, and so I'm really excited about just helping more women and people of color, color get involved, helping um, Gen Z and just younger generations Uh, learn about the power and the values of blockchain, Um, you know, because I think the next generation is like much more values aligned, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they they're willing to pay more money for sustainable clothing, they're willing to pay more money for brands that um, walk the walk and hire diverse employees and um, care about truly the diversity of their leadership and board. So I have a lot of hope for Gen Z and the, the, just the future. Um, so I, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited for the release of the bad bitch business Bible, which will come out in October of 2022. So it's still a while off, but, um, I am also building up my community. Um, it's in, it's the bad bitch business club. Um, and you can find that at badbitchbusiness.com. Um, so that's going to be, it's just a, it's a free community of, bad bitches around the world who are um, breaking rules, making banks, smashing the patriarchy, learning to take control of money and career and relationships, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think it's, I have this vision of the world is like, it's driven by three things, empathy, collaboration, and powerful women. I think the world would be so much better if it was, if powerful women were in charge. Um, I think we naturally have a, almost a an instinct to build things that that have generational impact that are good for our children, um, good for the planet. and you know you see so many women who have created companies and they always have an impact angle, and they've been punished for that in the mm-hmm. traditional funding world. They're like, well, you can't if you're if you care about impact, does that mean you don't care about profit? And I'm like, no purpose and profit are not mutually exclusive. And I think that's built into the DNA of women. It's like, we want to do both and we don't believe it's mutually exclusive. And so, um, yeah, so I'm just I'm excited to, to help more of my coaching clients kind of build the companies of their dreams um, and to connect with more women um, through Bitcoin, through the bad bitch business community and, and just see where the world goes. Oh, it sounds wonderful.
0: I'm, I look forward to the day when your investors are then become your VCs who are then <laughs> investing in other women businesses and this becomes this virtuous circle of, of, of supporting each other. I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to look forward to. Well, I want to thank you, Lisa, for your time. Where can people find you? What are some? Of, I know obviously I'm going to put links to your podcasts and your badbitchbusiness.com, but what are some other um, resources that we can provide the audience?
1: Sure. So you can find me on all social channels at Lisa Carmen Wang. You can head over to badbitchbusiness.com to join the community, and um, when you listen to Bitcoin is My Boyfriend podcast, if you take a screenshot of it and tag me at Lisa Carmen Wang. I will DM you a free copy of my ebook, The Bad Bitch Business Guide to Financial Freedom.
0: Oh, wow. Well, that's quite a perk. Well, thank you for your time, for the work that you're doing in this space. Uh, Really excited about your vision and um, just being able to connect with you and, and another woman in the Bitcoin space that's doing so much.
1: Amazing. Thank you.
0: Have a beautiful Bitcoin day. (laughs) I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. lisa has got a lot of energy and a lot of ideas in bringing it all to the Bitcoin space. I will be sharing all of her links in my show notes. So check them out at alongcamebitcoin.com. You can also send me an email at alongcamebitcoin at gmail.com. And on Twitter, I am at wise underscore wake. Look forward to connecting with you and starting a conversation about Bitcoin. Have a beautiful Bitcoin day.